Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Road Show. Big week in the NFL. A lot of news and two massive games. And we will talk to NFL Network's draft guru and former scout Daniel Jeremiah about both in just a bit. We're going to start the show, though, with a special guest emotionally invested in one of the games this weekend. Someone who knows a thing or two about performing in a highly pressurized environment, Olympic gold medal winning swimmer, sports broadcaster, former Nickelodeon host, which is where my producer Alex first fell in love with her. And of course, for purposes of this conversation, most importantly, massive Buffalo (laughs) Bills fan, Summer Sanders. Hi, Summer. Hi, I was just going to say, you're, you were putting it mildly by saying emotionally invested in one of the <laughs> games. I mean, the Bills Mafia, we don't just go halfway in. We dive. We cannonball. Have you fandom. broken a table in your- No, oh, no. What are you doing, Summer? What? How is this missing in, on your resume? I Well, because I was a swimmer in my shoulders. I've had way too many shoulder injuries. You know, I, I sort of put it maybe at some point in my life, but I did just tweet out the other day. I said, I- I know I should be breaking tables, but instead, because I live in Park City, Utah, I'm climbing mountains and at the top of the mountain over the valley, which is really like Park City Ski Resort, I am shouting, let's go Buffalo. I'm not lighting anything on fire. I'm not breaking stuff except for like, you know, the silence. Just scaring your neighbors. Exactly. Possibly. Exactly. So I know you tend to get a little nervous when the bills are playing. How are you holding up this week in that department? So I don't necessarily get nervous. I get excited leading up to the game. And then game day, I can wear whatever I want in the morning. (laughs) No, this is serious. And I was not superstitious when I was an athlete. But I, I, for some reason, have convinced myself that I do have an effect on the outcome of the game by what I'm wearing, where I'm standing, what activity I'm doing, how much I'm paying attention, everything. So I will wear whatever I want in the morning. It has to be Bill's representative of some Obviously, kind. Obviously, okay. Um, right. And that does not have any significant impact on the game. But once, like right before kickoff, uh, I have to put on my jersey, which I have worn for every game this year. My husband has his game gear, which are a pair of sweatpants, a Bill's shirt. They're all Bill's. Bill's sweatpants, Bill's shirt, and then a Bill's long sleeve pullover. Um, we tend to sit in the same places in the living room. And if the team's not playing well, we don't say it out loud, but we just sort of collectively as a group move. Have your children been roped into this kind of psychosis that you're dealing with or? My son who's 12 thinks, no, he just turned 13. My son who's 13 thinks we're absolutely crazy and actually can't even handle the intensity of being a fan, which I truly, really respect. I'm like, I get it because if he was going to dive in, then he would be super intense about it. My daughter knows everything, everything about the Buffalo Bills. She, and she's got a wicked arm. She can throw that ball. Yeah, no, she's a good football player. So she's all in and she gets really pissed off, you know, when things aren't going right or if a holding call was not called, um, so yeah, we've got a lot of intensity, but my son, when he feels it, he just kind of heads up to his room. What is the Jersey that you wear on game day? Yes. Thank you for asking. It is Eric Wood signed like actual Jersey. Uh, so number 70 and I am pretty sure that maybe four of me could fit into it. It's like, it's impressive. <sighs> like it's but an no- actual game, like an Eric Wood Jersey. Yes. And it's, they're so stiff. That I, li- I mean, I just look like that little kid from a Christmas store. I can't put my arms down. But oddly enough, and I say this every time, the neck hole is not impressively big. And I believe that's because it's a real jersey. So maybe like the pads really pull it away, but it kind of chafes my neck. But I'm I'm in it. Listen, what? you've got to be in it to like make it happen. Lindsay, you can't just like go half it. If that means you're going to get chafe on your neck, you do it for the Bills Mafia. This might be a stupid question, but so you're yeah. wearing this every – how do you launder a game-worn jersey? I always wear another shirt underneath because <laughs> I don't – So think that you don't you, have to? I, I don't have a locker room attendant that can <laughs> <laughs> properly launder <laughs> my jerseys. I'm not worried about it shrinking per se, but, you know, it's signed by him. I don't want to mess it up. It oh, took, that's true. Yeah. Can I tell you that the tags were still on it in the beginning of the season? So I tested it out to make sure that like 
this is going to be my winning jersey. No. So I, I wore it with the tags on. Well, I don't what know. What are you going to do if, if, no if they idea. lost? Well, then it would go back in the closet and then I would try out another shirt. Just like get a shadow box for it and never wear it uh-huh. again. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, you are hardcore. So how did you feel during this last game against the Ravens? Because it was a weird one. It did yeah. not go at all the way that I thought it was going to go. Like no offense whatsoever. Well, can I tell you, I mean, I'm not a football expert by any means. I'm just a fan. But um, in all my years of watching football, I don't know why. And I'll just say this about the last week's matchup, not particular about any player or anything like that. But when when you have minimal threats offensively, um, if I'm scouting a team, to me, that just seems like an easier scout if we're going to try to contain even a quarterback that is at so many times seems uncontainable, right? Um, I don't know why I wasn't as nervous going into that matchup with the Ravens. I just felt like Josh Allen, They didn't have enough offensive weapons. They weren't scaring you. Yeah. Okay. I, I, but I just felt that, well, I knew that our defense uh, could play better. So our defense needed to show up, which they did. Um, I, I just felt like if we could concentrate on – the few aspects that we needed to that were really, really scary and threatening of the Ravens that we could shut them down. And I, you know, our defense coordinator is amazing. Um, and I just, I, you know, I had faith that it's, it's kind of what Sean McDermott preaches over there, right? It's, there's a process and you trust the process and it doesn't have to be incredibly complicated. Just do your homework, show up, do your job, have fun. And then the next week, we'll concentrate on that team. So, but I loved the game. How did you become a Bills fan? Because you're from Northern California, so this doesn't really make much sense to me. No, it doesn't. And it's a great question. My husband, we met on a blind date in 2003. We got married in 2005. Also an Olympic athlete. Yes, Olympic skier. He's the crazy one that goes 70 down a sheet of ice. That's super crazy. Yes. Um. So he grew up, we got married in 2005 and he grew up in Hamburg, New York. So basically Buffalo, um, lifelong Bills fan. Um, so the heartache and the close, so close to Super Bowl wins, all this, everything he's lived through it. And so when we got married, I was working for the NBA and I was a hardcore Kings fan. And I actually had an, a similar moment to what I was describing about my son where, what year was that when the Kings uh, were in the Western Conference final and Robert so like Ori? Oh, three, something like, like that. I don't remember exactly, but that, yeah, yeah. Roughly. And so Robert Ori single handedly just crushed our dreams and put a dagger in every Kings fan's heart. Um, and I was living in New York at the time. So when you're a West Coast basketball fan during playoffs, you're up till like 1 30 a.m. watching the end of that game. And when it ends, on this random three-pointer from Robert Ori, it's hard to just go to sleep. So I went to, I went out in my apartment and I remember there was this woman that was going to walk her dog and she was in the elevator with me and I'm usually really cheerful. And she got in the elevator and she was like, hello. And I thought to myself, how can we even be having a conversation right now? <laughs> Don't the Kings just understand. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to cry and I wanted to punch something. So I went downstairs, I walked around the block and, and in that literal walk around the block, I realized I'm too hardcore of a fan. Like my heart can't take it. And then you fast forward to 2005. My husband says, I'm hardcore Buffalo Bills fan. And I said, well, I'm hardcore Sacramento Kings fan. I take you, Eric Schlopey and the (laughs) Buffalo Bills. If you'll take me, Summer Sanders and the Sacramento Kings. And that's how it went down. So from that point, diehard Bills fan. And I went to a game. And when you sit with those fans, you respect the way they love their team and the way they always stand by them. Summer, you're making me feel a little bit like I'm not cutting it in the wife department because (laughs) my husband's a Rams fan. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And so, you know, every once in a while, I'll be like, I'm supportive of that, you know, but like when they went to the Super Bowl, I wore a Rams jersey to the game. And I was like, I've never worn a jersey. I mean, since I've been a professional broadcaster, that's like just outside of my realm of like, I don't do that. I'm unbiased. And I was like, I will do this. Not jersey, but just Rams gear. And yeah. um, and that didn't work out well for them. So that might have been my fault. But also, 
Uh, I, I can't say that I've adopted them as emotionally as you have gone all in on the bills. Well, I think um, it is kind of our nature where I was a Niners fan growing up and where I swam as a kid is exactly where the Niners had their summer training camp. It was in Rockland, California at Sierra, uh, Sierra Community College. SC, Sierra Community College. Um, so it was in Rockland, California. And so we would go into swim practice and we'd see all these linemen in the diving well. I mean, they would jump off the springboard and we were like, oh, that board is bending like it's its job. I mean, like stretching it to the limit. It was awesome. And we would see the linemen with the tubes. They'd put an inner tube around under their arms, around their thighs, around their calves. Um, so I'll never, I mean, I loved the Niners and it was a great time to be a Niners fan. I mean, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, yeah. straight into Steve Young. But then I started working for the NBA and I just find it difficult for me to be a, a tr like hardcore fan of several leagues at the same time. Me too. That's exactly how I am. I can mm -hmm. fully invest on like one thing and then mm -hmm. I want to be an expert on that one thing, but I can't take all of the other outside noise. I have to block it out. Yeah, it's really hard. So I miss truly following the NBA. I mean, we've got the Utah Jazz just down the hill. Um, and I love the NBA, but I also really loved the NBA when I was hosting Inside Stuff. I Which just, is when I yeah. fell in love with you. Oh. Yeah. I love that show. That was show. amazing. It was – Yes. That was a fun show. Yeah. I mean, Ahmad Rashad. Do you yeah. know – I'll tell you the story. So in 92, right after I won the gold medal in the 200 Butterfly – yeah, 200 Butterfly – NBC had asked me, will you do an interview with us? And I thought I was so cool. I'm like, all right, I'm going to negotiate this. I'll do an interview if I can have four tickets to the Dream Team final because I was such a huge Jordan fan. Yeah, good. leverage that for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't – I mean, it was Barcelona. I'm sure NBC had like a plethora of tickets, you know. Uh, let, let me see if I can I can swindle that for you, Summer. So <laughs> they, give me, they give me four tickets. I take three of my girlfriends – we take public transportation through Barcelona to the game. We show up at the game and I'm walking down to our seats and I see Ahmad Rashad. Well, I'm such like you, I'm such an NBA fan. And I loved the show and Willow Bay and in rewind and all of that. I see him. And I mean, this was not me back then. I was not bold or brave in that sense, but I turned to my friends and I was like, that is Ahmad Rashad. And they said, what? Who? Right. And I'm like, he hosts inside stuff. I said, I'm going over and introducing myself. So I walked over to him, put my giant hand out in front of him. And I was like, hey, I'm Somerset. People always say my hands are so big. I just come in way too hot. They're like ginormous. So, hey, Ahmad Rashad, I'm Summer Sanders. And I watch inside stuff. And then five years later, I was doing features for them. And six years later, I was hosting it. So that's so awesome. Yeah. So but I was right there with you. So you have this sports broadcasting background. You've done all of these things. Now you are heavily invested in the bills. If CBS calls you up um, on Friday, right? Something has is happening with Tracy Wolfson and she just can't, <laughs> she can't do the game. They just need you to do sideline. Could you do it? Could you be professional for three hours in a game where they were involved? No chance. <laughs> I mean, there is a point in your career where you sit there and go, the ticket would be amazing, right? I'm on the sideline. I am watching, but I have reached a point in my life where I know the difference between a great opportunity career-wise because mm -hmm. Tracy Wolfson is one of the best and she's yeah. coming back to that job the following week or even at halftime. But this moment, I might not be able to get back. Who knows what the future holds with my family sitting in our assigned seats, wearing my Eric Wood jersey, and representing Bill's Mafia in Utah. So I am going to be honest. Like, I don't think I could do it. I really – and everybody knows me as a Bill's fan. I yeah. mean, it would, be, it would be insane. And I'm proud of being – I'm proud of – of representing women's sports and journalism and reporting, but also being a true fan of the game. And that post-game interview might be a little bit too giddy <laughs> if the Bills win. Or it might be super sad. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> I mean, Patrick, like... <laughs> that was great what you just did as you're like streaming tears. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can, we, can you imagine if I'm like, 
But let's just talk about <laughs> that play where it should have been a penalty. Tell me you feel bad about that, right? Yeah. How no. good do you think Josh Allen is? <laughs> Seriously. What do you uh, like most about this current team? Oh, this the current chemistry. Bill squad. Yeah. The chemistry. The chemistry. It's my favorite part about covering sports. You can absolutely see it when you're, you can see it, you can feel it. And yet it's so difficult in professional sports at this level because these, these men are paid so much money. So for a head coach who can clearly see that the chemistry is sour, right? There is, there is a bacteria, a growth on the team, right? How can I get rid of it or how can I change it? And those are two really difficult things when you're talking about, well, I mean, my husband would say that change is kind of hard for him as well. But when you're talking about professional and paid a lot, right, who are set in their ways. The thing I love about this team is that these are professional athletes that are continually willing to grow and be better and, and they'll do what it takes. And they'll, they'll end up being the superstar of the game or they won't right? Like we'll see Cole Beasley make these clutch catches at third down time and time again. And then, and then I don't even think he had a single catch last week, but he was an integral part of that game. I mean, my favorite play of all last week, and I hope Dable does it again, but it was the three wide receivers on the left. And, and I was watching it. It was, and they were in the red zone. I don't know whether maybe like on the third yard line or it was super close to a touchdown. They had these three wide receivers on the left. They were lined up. There were only two defenders across them. And the whole time, like, oh, my God, there's three wide receivers. What's going on? This is awesome. It was a touchdown. And it's that kind of fun play, and um, but professionalism at the same time, a cohesive goal. It seems like it's consistent every single day. And I really do believe it's not the cliche. I do believe they are in a very, very healthy way taking it one game at a time and they're not getting too ahead of themselves how do you see this weekend going have you watched the chiefs do you Mm -hmm. understand what you're up against like kind of have a feel for i went back look like i went back as soon as the chiefs won and i knew that that was our matchup and i looked at our what did we play them week four six Mm -hmm. six and i looked back at the game notes and here's what i saw okay from, from our team, I have no idea who's going to show up or how they're going to show up on the Chiefs' side, right? Okay. I don't. Do we know if Mahomes is going to play? Uh, it's looking like that because he's practicing, but we don't have officially. Okay, we haven't heard that. So yet. let's assume that he's going to play, mm-hmm. which would be great because we kind of we know him, we played against him, and whatever. Um, I do believe what I saw in the game notes last time was a different defense different chemistry on, on Buffalo Bills defense. Okay. Um, so, so in other words, we're better right now as a defensive unit. Okay. Um, and as much as we've talked about how amazing Josh Allen has been this season, it wasn't a phenomenal game for him. He made no. some mistakes and he's not a guy that just like casually brushes off and, ah, oh, well, I made a little mistake. He's meticulous with his mistakes He wants to learn from them. He wants to study them. He wants to get better. And I think that that's what we've seen this season. So, and that mindset has just been an awesome infection on the team of just learn from mistakes, get better, learn from mistakes, get better. And so I think we're going to see an even better and a better prepared Buffalo Bills who have studied the Chiefs and who are prepared to match up against them. I think that Josh Allen's going to have a game. He's had such a great year. So let's say summer that you can you can make this all happen, right? The the Super Bowl, it's a lock. You're gonna win it. You control it. The football gods come to you. Summer, oh. we really like your investment. Uh, you've done a great job as a fan. Mm-hmm. That sweatshirt that you're wearing, super cute. Super um, cute. We we can make this happen, but it's gonna cost you. Oh no. What what are you willing to give up? Because we all know that you have some bartering material. Yeah, but see, you know where my mind first went when you asked me that, Lindsay, was um, coming from an Olympic sport, Uh right? So totally not a serious question, but yet I'm going to take it in a serious direction. Coming from an Olympic sport, 
uh, I just, I prided myself on being pure and following the rules. And in Olympic sports, there are always those people who just think there's a gray area when it comes to performance enhancing and, and what would you give up in a sense, right? Mm. To get where you want to be, to win that gold medal. How, what are you willing to do? Um, how close to those rules are you willing to go? So my point is, I wouldn't give up absolutely anything. I believe in these bills. I believe in them. Most importantly, the, the Bills Mafia, what we will come together and say, it is really fun to watch them play. And, and 99% of the, of the season, they've been having so much fun. So um, no, I'm not giving anything up because the gods are saying to me right now, you know what? You don't need to give anything up. I love it's that answer. just going to be a great game. Not even the fantasy football championship oh, belt that you just God. won from our league. Hello. This is my cheerleading days. My fantasy football belt is in my car because I have been taking it around with me and I feel like I need to go get it and bring it up here. Do it. Okay. So you have so the hardware. this. First of all, what you cannot recognize is the weight. It's not plastic. This is real solid metal of some sort. But just tell me, does this seem wrong for me to go grocery shopping like this? I mean, uh, with a, my mask no. on. No, right. of course, you absolutely should. Yeah. Um, be a feel little, like I want to be happy for you, but I'm not. I know. I know. Um, but, but here's the deal. <laughs> There's plenty of room on here. Do you see this? I'm just, it's oh just gosh, this the is so funny. Okay. So yeah. So there's a belt with a lot of room for names on it. And it's like a wrestling belt for those of you listening that cannot yeah. see what she is showing. It is, this it is, our is like I won the, the heavyweight championship of the fantasy football ladies only football league. The buckle, the, the actual front metal piece is almost whiter than my hips. Um, and it's it, it has like a serious weight to it. I mean, it makes those, um, what are they? Uh, cowboy belt buckles. You know oh, those yeah. guys that oh, win those cowboy. They've got nothing on that. Nothing uh -uh. on that. You so should wear that and the Olympic medals <laughs> and the mask gonna... to the grocery store. Oh, I see them. They're fr they're framed behind you. Yeah, they're right here. I was gonna ask. I read something along uh, when I was preparing for this from a long time ago that said that they were just sitting in your sock drawer. So we've well, figured out a better way to display them. We did. We went away. We, the medals and I, we went away to Spain for a year. <laughs> My family and I moved to Spain, uh, 2018 to 2019. And I actually took my medals with me because I won them in Barcelona. And I was like, well, I feel like I need to take them back to their home country. People so probably want to visit them too. They, I, and it's so funny because my kids started doing a junior lifeguard in Spain. It's called, um, well, Sacarismo is, uh, Sacarista is a, is a lifeguard. It's somebody who saves you. Like if, if, you're, okay. if you're drowning in and you want to say, save me in Spanish, it would be Socorro, Socorro. Um, so a Sacarista is somebody who saves people. Um, but it's Salvamento. So Sacarismo uh, y Salvamento is junior lifeguard. In the beginning, I thought I was signing my kids up for soccer. I knew that they don't they don't call soccer soccer over there, but I had no idea that soccerismo was a totally different thing. thing. They show up yeah. with a black and white ball, and they're like, well, "I don't know why you brought that, but okay." Yeah. But the, um, soon afterwards, they figured out that I had won Olympic medals, and so they did come in handy because they inspired some some kids and some coaches and all of that. But when I got back from Spain, I thought, you know, these guys deserve to be out of my sock drawer. So they do. There they are. They do. They're inspiring but me right now to kick your ass in fantasy football next year. <laughs> because well, so I gonna... don't have any of those. So I need that belt. Yes, you do. You need this belt. And and the question is, what are you going to go for as your first pick? Are we still stuck on the running back as the what number? What do you mean stuck on the running back, Summer? This is the strategy. What are you? You know what? I'm not talking to you about my strategy because really? you don't need any tips. Well, I'm always the quarterback. I love the quarterback first. I love the quarterback that gets tons of points. 
Running backs are risky. Love you, running backs. What do you think? Okay. Who, who was your number one pick There's, in the draft? I, I forget. I remember. I, I'm in a few leagues summer. I don't yeah, remember I that league and how that particular league went down, but I definitely took a running back because I have a running back, running back rule. So oh, unless, really? yeah, like my first two picks, I need two of my first three picks to be running backs. Yeah, oh. because the drop off after that is just massive. Even within that body of running backs, you're probably, right. you know, they're going to be running backs who don't actually pay off, but the drop off is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I definitely don't do well, even with a double quarterback league with my quarterback first mentality. Um, I know it's, it's tricky, but if you can get Josh Allen, then that's, you know, guaranteed points as long as you hit on the running back somewhere else in the draft. Obviously, it worked for you this year. The uh, fantasy football champion getting ready for a massive AFC championship Ugh. week, maybe a Super Bowl appearance, the first one in a long time for the Buffalo Bills. I hope you enjoy the game. Game by game, Linz, right? Game yeah. by game. game. One like quarter at a time. Did. One okay. first down at a time. Yes. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. No. <laughs> step okay. by step. I really appreciate you doing this. You're the best. It's so fun. Thank you. Thank you, Summer. We're back with Daniel Jeremiah right after this. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. You can listen to my in-depth conversations with notable past and present players like Tony Gonzalez. When I play catch with my son, I get joy when the ball hits my hands and I tuck it away. Travis Kelsey. I appreciate you doing this, man. Getting everybody a little educated on the tight end world, man. It's a tight-knit family, baby. George Kittle. Tight ends love each other. We have each other's back, and we all experience the same stuff. And many others. Check out TE1, a new podcast from Blue Wire on Stitcher. Back now with one of my favorite people, NFL Network draft analyst, former scout, all-around nice guy, and lover of all things, HGTV, Daniel Jeremiah. Are you still deep into the Property Brothers? And Yeah, Windy City Rehab has been kind of a thing lately. Oh, yeah, although I've read fun. up on a lot of lawsuits, apparently. that is not, you know The contractor was suing the, the girl. The girl was then turned around suing the contractor. Kind of messy. That HGT, HGTV life can get a little messy for everybody. How do you find these articles? When you say you were reading up on them, are you sitting down and Googling things related to HGTV content that you are interested in or... So this is how this works, Lindsay. You don't just passively consume content nowadays, right? We have a second screen. <laughs> you have a second screen when you're watching a football game. If you're watching HGTV, yeah. uh, you know, Windy City Rehab, I believe is the name of it. So if you're watching that and you're like, hmm, I wonder like what design they went to this furniture store. Like what store is that? How much did these things cost that she's buying and putting in? Um, how much is this house really worth? Like, let's look at the neighborhood. If they're really going to sell out for 2 million, what's the house next to them worth? Um, so you do your homework and then these articles pop up and the next thing you know, you're, you're knee deep in some lawsuit that's taking place. Do you think that that's normal behavior for people who watch HGTV? Like I know that the second screen is popular when you're watching yeah. sports, for instance, but yeah. I don't know that, that you are part of a mass movement to second screen HGTV. Well, I, you know. You're Maybe always I'm a wrong. scout. You're always scouting, right? You know. So, are we gonna are we gonna just sit there and listen to a coach tell you this guy's a great player, and I'm supposed to just go with that? No, you do your homework and you find out what the truth is. And there's no stone left unturned. It's the same in scouting. It's the same how you consume your your TV. Like uh, how is granite better than? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Is this durable? This is this is Chicago. You're gonna have some. What rough if I spill my here. wine? Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, big week. There's actually some yeah. news that I want to hit with you. Okay. Uh, obviously, two very big games. Let's go ahead and break the huddle. First up, we've got the NFC Championship. That's the first game on Saturday. Bucks Packers, three o five Eastern on. Fox. We just talked about the AFC game a little bit with hardcore Bills fan Summer Sanders. So let's dive into this one, which is also a rematch of a week six game that Tampa Bay won handily. This was an awful game for the Packers. This was arguably the Bucks' best game of the entire regular season. Um, Packers had no answers for the Bucks blitz. It seems mm-hmm. like that was a really big problem for them in this one. They blitzed Rodgers 21 times. He had a seven passer rating on those plays. Do you expect that to be an issue again in this one? I think it is going to be an issue if they don't run the football well. I mean, I think you can kind of look at this on both sides. It's a line of scrimmage game to me in this one. And 
I know Tampa's very confident. It sounds like Green Bay's is equally confident. But if you don't take pressure off your quarterback, as great as they are, and Rodgers is going to be the MVP and, and Brady's more comfortable in this environment in the postseason than anybody in history, you can make those guys uncomfortable and you're going to have a tough time if you can't get some semblance of a run game going. That's what's fascinating is both these teams have kind of found their run games later in the season. Um, and it's going to be big to see who can establish that. I, when I, when I look at this game, Lindsay, I think if you took the rosters one to 53 and put them side by side, I think Tampa's got a better roster. I, I really do. But you have Rodgers at the peak of his game right now. And if he busts, if, if you get A plus Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are going to win. But if they can heat him up, like you mentioned in that first game, and get him just a little bit off, I think the balance of the roster points to Tampa. Now, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe they'll lose by 30 and will come back and laugh at me. I actually feel good about Tampa in this one I really do I think of all the teams going into Lambeau Field this will be the least impacted by it um when you look at why Brady do you say and his, that well I think Brady and his history you know you think Brady's worried about playing in cold weather and going into a tough environment like he's been on this stage a zillion times he's played in this type of weather it's not going to be an issue for him um I think when you look at the previous meeting they they dominated them at the line of scrimmage so you're not going in there the mystique the aura I don't think that matters. We just beat the crap out of this team earlier this year. Our quarterback's the best that's ever done it, and he's in the environment in which he's been a million times before. I just feel like there's a little bit of an edge to that Tampa team that maybe some other teams would go in there and kind of look around, and, and it's Lambeau, it's maybe snowing, and it's Aaron Rodgers. I don't get the feeling that Bruce Arians and Tom Brady really care. Tampa's offense, you mentioned the two teams in their run game. They ran the ball quite a bit last yeah. week, right? 35 rushing attempts. They ran it 34 times back in week six. Green Bay's pass defense is pretty good, so that yeah. might lead you to believe that this becomes a game where they put the ball in Fournette and Rojo's hands attacking them on the ground. Is that how you see it playing out for them offensively? Yeah, and I'm curious to see the balance between the two because we've seen Leonard Fournette's been really effective coming down the stretch, but Ronald Jones wasn't healthy. You see Ronald Jones back in the mix, and I don't know how you feel. I know as an SC fan, we both have watched that team and watched him play forever. He's at a different speed, and he adds something different there where Leonard Fournette's going to bang out the 5, 8, and 10-yard runs. Ronald Jones is going to get you 40, 50, 60-yard runs when he's healthy, and you're starting to see that come together. So I think we we'll actually see a little bit more Rojo uh, in this one than maybe we've seen uh, recently. And I do think they can run the ball on Green Bay. I think that's what they're going to do. Gronk had one of his biggest games of the year in Week 6. Do you think that that was situational because they had such a big lead and they're you know trying things out or whatever, or was that matchup-related? Do you think that this could be another big tight end game for Tampa Bay? Well, they, look, and, and Cameron Brake can get involved as well. Yeah. There's there's other options for them working in the middle of the field. You know, I, I think I think Tom was still at that point in the season. I think he was still getting comfortable with what he had on the perimeter, and I think you've seen that start to come a, a little more as the season's gone along. So I think I, I anything that happened in the first half of the season where Gronk might have been a little more tight end dependent. That's the way he's played for the last you know, 10 years, I would say, since you go back to Randy Moss and, and some of those guys, but everything for him has been in the middle. I think you've seen Brady's evolution during the year of being able to work more outside in when, you know, for the longest time he's had to work inside out. So but I think you've seen a different thing from Brady coming down the stretch. So that, that first meeting, I think that's a little more or less to do with, uh, with Gronk and, and more to do with, he just wasn't as comfortable on the perimeter as he is now. Okay. So you like Tampa, the spread and does they, anybody else yeah. like him by the way i feel like i'm the only one that likes i feel like you might be yeah. i feel like you are a little bit of a lone wolf i feel like a lot of us locked on to the packers as the team to be in the nfc a long time ago and then are just sticking with it because they i mean they're playing so well they look yeah. great against the rams no yeah no well aaron's been aaron's been on a different planet you know with the way he's played I just I can't get it out of my head, and I know there's been a lot that's happened from from then to now of the of the 49ers just pulverizing them in the postseason last year and beating them up at the line of scrimmage and you running don't think it they've down figured stuff out since then though. No, I, I don't know how many real bullies that they've seen. I think this Tampa offensive line is really good, and I think they're physical. I think they've got an edge. I think Tristan Wirfs is outstanding. Um, you know, everybody saw what Ryan Jensen did to Anzalone last week, depositing him on the bench. Like there's a physicality to that group um, that I just I just think that somewhere in there psychologically, there's that thing in the back of both those teams head where you can say Green Bay, 
man, we, we have been beat up. We've been in fights and we have been beat up by the bully before. And I think Tampa Bay can kind of embody that and say, yeah, you know what? We've already beat the crap out of this team earlier. And we have more of a bully style of play that this team over the last several years has not matched up well against. Okay, I think you're probably supposed to stay away from like lines and spreads and betting things as an yeah. NFL network. Uh, um, so I'm just going to say that Green yeah. Bay favored by three and a half points. Obviously, since you're taking okay. Tampa, you're taking Tampa there regardless of the points. Um, I'm taking Green Bay, period. Um, so yes, also. Uh, and um, Is it because, is it just kind because of they a... beat the Rams? Is that what it is? Is it, is it... Green Bay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no, that seemed obvious. The Rams didn't okay. have the offense to go toe to toe okay. with them. Uh, I just want to get. I just want to get your Rams take there. That's the Bucks. All. Are you trying to? Oh, it's just you know, it's an opposite side. It's it's this, it's you know the Charger Ram thing. I was just trying to see if we could pull that out a little bit here. You know, you're not going to make me fight with you about that. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> as I just discussed with Summer Sanders, my husband is a Rams fan. I have not fully lent my uh, wifely support are, behind really? that. Really? Are that. you? I don't are feel you, that quite as strongly. Raiders? Where are we, Lens? We've never I'm, talked about this. I'm nowhere. This. I'm not. I don't have a team, DJ. I know. I feel like, you know, you, did lame. you have a team before you were paid to be a Chargers person? So I grew up a huge Cowboy fan oh. as a kid, like all growing up. Was, I didn't have you pegged for a Cowboys fan. You're well, like that guy. You like the Yankees not, too? Yeah, I'm not Michael Fabiano. No, I don't like the Lakers and the Yankees and the Cowboys. It's the, you know, of course, <laughs> I'm sure whoever's good in hockey, I don't know, but I'm sure he's a fan of that team as well. Um, Whoever's no, I grew up, I, 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 my, my dad, uh, this, see, this is like legit. My dad used to sell programs outside of, uh, of Texas stadium. Like he went to seminary in Dallas and became a huge cowboy fan. And my dad's a pastor out in San Diego. Well, the, the Cowboys have trained out in Southern California forever. We used to come out there with the chargers. So my dad got to know coach Landry. So when I was a kid, we would go watch the Cowboys practice when they were training out there in san diego with the chargers so i was like like danny white like during those kind of crappy years like the end of the tony dorsett kind of the that was when i started my fandom then i was rewarded with all the 90s success uh with troy and and, and emmett and irv so that was great well then fast forward go work in the nfl as soon as the day the first day you start to work for a team like all that stuff just it's gone. Yeah. It just falls away. So, and then especially when you go work for the Eagles, like you, you're like, I would never tell anybody I was a big cowboy fan growing up. No. That would not go over. When well. you started working with Irv, was that at all? Like, did the little kid fan in you come out or so call, call up your dad? Say, guess, yeah, guess what? I, what you I know do what's, know. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's weird because I had the, did the scouting thing. So I had been in those you know, around the current players and around foreign players that had come around a lot in the scouting thing. So that it didn't really, there was nothing really that impressed you where you would, you know, you just, I see Ray Lewis every day. I see Dion all the time when he mm -hmm. was there, but so Irv was cool. Uh, working, getting a chance to work with Irv and he's so much fun as you know, but the, the thing for me was Troy Aikman. So doing the, the uh, draft actually, when Troy came and did the draft with us a couple years ago, so he came in the green room and, and we talked and got a chance to meet him for the first time. And like, I'm like, I was debating, do I tell him that my junior year in high school, I wore number 17 and I changed to number eight my senior year because of Troy Aikman? Like that yes, was my favorite yes. player. No, no. I didn't. Because I, he's going to look at me as always like I'm some type of. Uh, now you're uh, like kid all, fan I'm gonna make him, doesn't take you first seriously. Of all, I'm going to make him feel old. Number one. Not don't want that. And that's always two, a like, tricky balance. I want to yeah. try and I want to, I'm not saying I just want us to be like kind of friends, you know, and I, I don't know. I can't give him the kid adult thing, hero thing. Like that's, that's out the window, but then doing the charger games, we've had him on um, in the, in the pregame stuff when we've, when they've done our games and he's come in and we finished up and uh, and we've actually gotten to know each other really well. So after he finished the interview, we hang out there and talk for like 30 minutes. And that to me of like all the cool things like that you get to do in this yeah. job, it's like, that's pretty cool. Like he was my guy and he's, and he's the best. Like he's, he's awesome. Like he's just a great dude. Have you ever told him? No, he's my, he listens, if he listens to this, he's going to find out. Well, that I think we're going to cut this into a social clip and at him. Oh, now you're going to, you're going to out me now. I see. I mean, I no, think he'll can. still respect you. I think yeah. he will. He's, he's great. I, I literally, they always say you never want to meet your, your heroes, right? Yes. Because you don't want to be disappointed. He's, he's, everything that you hoped he would be. All right. So from a point total standpoint, do you have any kind of predictions as to like what type of a score we might be looking at there? In the I NFC said my, my, my call was 31, 28, uh, Tampa. Okay. So 
uh, for those of you, and this is not at all what Daniel Jeremiah is saying, um, yeah. but uh, that is that is 59 points and the over-under is 51. So there's your answer there. Uh, I too think over because, boy, those offenses. Holy moly. Okay, let's talk uh, the AFC championship game. Bills yeah. at Chiefs, 640 Eastern. Um Kansas City favored by three. This also week six rematch in in heavy rain. So yeah. ha- was that a was that a factor in that game when you go back and watch it? Did that skew um, things? No, I, I you know it was in, it was a weird game, right? Because you felt like the Chiefs had just completely dominated the game, but the score never got lopsided, where Buffalo just kind of hung around. And I I've seen this said a bunch, um, which I don't think I agree with, which is. They played – Buffalo played very conservatively. Obviously, Kansas City ran the ball down their throats. They were just trying to protect against the big play. And I've heard people say, well, you're going to see Buffalo be much more aggressive this time around. They're not going to just sit back there and let them do it. And I'm going, look at the score. Like, they were in the game. They held Kansas City down. I mean, when you keep Kansas City in the range where they kept them, like, that's 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 on your offense to go get the points you need to get to win that game. Yeah. I would change nothing defensively. I'm going to, you want to, you want to rush for 200 yards in Kansas City and we can hold them to some field goals along the way. I'm in. That keeps me in the ball game. If you, if they play like they did against Baltimore, when you go back and watch that tape, they heated up. I mean, they heated up Lamar and they shut down the run game, but they left themselves vulnerable in the back end. The Ravens could not cash it in. Uh, Lamar missed a couple throws. Huntley came in and missed a fourth and eight, which would have been a home run ball to, to Hollywood Brown. Uh, would have been a long touchdown. He missed that one. Um, they had one down in the red zone. Would have been a touchdown. J.K. Dobbins missed a, missed a pickup. Uh, Hollywood Brown, again, would have been wide open. My point being, Kansas City's not missing those. You want to try and play that aggressive and that risky, Pat, Pat Mahomes, assuming he's playing, Patrick Mahomes is not missing those throws. So I still think the best way to play against this Chiefs team is you're going to give up all the yards between the 20s. It's going to look like a track meet, and you got to force Harrison Butker to try it out onto the field. So Josh Allen struggled versus pressure in that game. Uh, They pressured him on 17 of his 31 dropbacks. He completed four of his 13 passes and threw a pick. He scrambled four times, picked up 24 yards there. So that was an issue. He also was just very inaccurate, which has not been an issue for him this year. Obviously, it has in previous years. But this year, he's been sort of money in that department. But in this particular game, he was not. It was his worst game. And I think... The why attached to that is sort of an important one because we don't talk about the Chiefs defense very much. We talk about the Chiefs offense so much, but they've had a lot of success forcing teams to go deep against them, taking away that short and intermediate stuff. uh, And then they've been good at defending those shots downfield. I saw a stat on PFF that I thought was very, very interesting. According to them, they were targeted the Chiefs more than any team in the league on throws of 20 yards or more just ahead of the Falcons and the Vikings, which is anyone who plays fantasy knows uh, those were the two teams that you start your wide receivers against because their passer Mm. rating allowed on those plays were 103 and 125 respectively. The Chiefs passer rating though allowed on those plays was just 78. That was the Mm. seventh best rating in the league. So to me, this tells a story of a defense that kind of wants you. They're going to force you into that type of a thing. And then they're actually good at shutting it down. Can you tell me more about why that might be, how that plays out defensively and how that might affect Josh Allen and what he wants to do with that big arm this week? Yeah. Some of it lens is because of who's dictating it. Right. So sometimes you take shots because you know, we're in an advantageous situation offensively. It's a close game where we can still run the football a little bit. We can go early down, max protection, take a deep shot, and your odds are much better when you're on that side of the of the coin. You flip it over, we're down. The Chiefs are putting up points. We're in a chase mode. We've got to try and make up points. We've got to be maybe outside of ourselves aggressive, not really, you know, necessarily what we wanted to do coming into this game. But that, to me, can skew some of those points because now – I might be back there in a two high shell versus a single high shell. I'm not really worried about playing run. I know you're chasing points. So I'm going to be in a better you know, position, a better shell defensively to be able to stop some of that uh, downfield passing. The other thing is they're just, they're good on the back end. Um, you know, when you look at the safeties, they tried out there, they play with three guys um, and, and with Tyron Matthew, you look at Sorensen, who's an underrated player. Um, you also, you look at Thornhill, all these guys are very, very instinctive. So a lot of those shot plays are, are kind of, you know, almost kind of trick them, trick them plays, right? You're going to try and max protect and take shots. They don't take the cheese. They're just very disciplined. They're very smart back there. I think that plays into it. 
Who do you like here? I like Kansas City. I just, you know, I, I'm curious to see how Buffalo is going to play them defensively. But it's, a, I mean, it's a pick your poison deal. That Andy Reid, what's changed about Andy over the years, I believe, is that Andy has has really become more patient. So if you're going to try and force him to run the ball and, and be more, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll take that. He's not going to. He's not going to get obsessed with trying to, to get the big chunks. They've shown they can he did have in the those. first meeting. No, 10, 12 play drives. He's fine. He'll do that. 26 carries for Clyde Edwards Alaire for 161 yeah. yards on the ground. And obviously we know that that's not what they want to do yeah, on a week. If you're going to put, if you're going to play two high safeties and not going to, and not going to you give me a light box count and he's just going to turn around, just hand it off, hand it off. But I'm, I'm saying from Buffalo standpoint, I'd still rather have that. They want to, Run the ball, and and when we got to buckle down once we get into the red zone, I do not want the ball sailing over my head. That's instant death. Uh, so that's why it's going to be an interesting chess match. I just think, man, I, I don't know how Buffalo can be right in this game. It would take if they're going to win. I think you'll see Josh Allen not only have a big day throwing, but you're going to see Josh Allen with like 70 rushing yards. He's going to have a bunch of you know third and three, third and five conversions with his legs. He's kind of got to be a little bit of Superman in this thing because they're just not going to have the run game to support him. Okay, so we're both taking Kansas City. What's your score prediction? Uh, Kansas City, I want to say I went like 38-28, something like that. I'm so bad at math. That's way over, though. Okay. I don't okay, know what this is. I don't know what this 54. is you speak of, but it's yeah, I don't. I, I know, yeah. I know, I know. So you know, uh, the last time they played, it was forty three points total, twenty six seventeen. Yeah. But as we discussed, uh, some kind of weird things that happened in that one. Uh, some other news, and obviously the biggest news that we're waiting for this week has to do with injuries with regards to this game. Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Sammy Watkins, um, Antonio Brown for Tampa Bay. You'll have those answers. Uh, we don't have them right now as we tape. Um, combine though daniel jeremiah yeah they've pretty much uh shut it down this year it will be mostly uh pro day workouts and um virtual interviews and things like that how does that change the scouting process how will that change your ability to have a firm grasp on what's happening it's all about the tape everybody's we always say it right like the tape's the most important thing how they play on the field well now more so than ever because um, it's going to be all pro day times, all pro day testing. You're going to get, it's not apples to apples. That's the nice thing about the combine. You get to see them out there one after another. Um, and not that you're beholden to all the times and the testing, but I can watch two corners go back to back and watch them move on the same field at the same time. You get a, a feel. I've always said the combine's great for splitting ties. If we have same grades on three or four players, we get them on that in, in the exact same environment. Okay. We've met with him. We watched him work out. I think this guy a little bit over that guy um, and that's out the window. So you are, uh, uh, I don't want to say you're flying blind, but uh, you know, I think what is, you know, sometimes you got to just, you, you got to, uh, you know, you can't trust your instruments. You got to just, you got to look out your windshield now and, and fly and fly this plane when it comes to it. Information. Sometimes uh, a lot of information can, uh, can help you. And there's other times I talked to a GM the other day. He said, you know, last year, no pro days, uh, didn't have all the same information. We did virtual meetings. And he said, and you look back on my draft, I, I think it was one of the best drafts that we've had here because we didn't get lost in all the fog in the spring. It was just, this guy's better on tape. That's the guy we're taking. Some other news that's come out, uh, Steelers signing Dwayne Haskins, uh, <laughs> as we both chuckle. Well, <laughs> Why are you chuckling, Daniel? It's just, it's to me, I'm laughing because there's so many QB dominoes that are going to fall this off season. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, you know, former first round pick within the last couple of years signing with the Steelers, you would think, you know, that's first round pick Steelers. That's a pretty big marriage. That's a big story. This is when the time we kick off next year, that'll be like the 13th or 14th most interesting quarterback storyline we have in this league. It's going to be buckle up lens. It's going to be wild. I mean, I don't know that there, I've ever, I don't remember a time when there've been this many teams that oh. are quarterback needy. I mean, if, even if you just start looking at the teams that are in the playoffs, this yeah. year, there's tons where you're just going to take the, I mean, you've got the Bears, you've got the Saints, obviously, uh, the Colts, for crying out loud, Phillip Rivers retiring after 17 seasons. Yep. Uh, Ian Rappaport says they're going to go big on a quarterback this offseason. Yeah. What do you think they should do? 
if I'm the Colts, I'm I'm trying to get Matthew Stafford any way possible. That's that's what I'm trying to. He's 32 years old. You've got a team that's ready to win right now. You know, trying to move up in the draft doesn't really make as, as much sense. Your your team's ready to go. You go get Matt Stafford. You're right there with the Chiefs. Like you can go. You can you can battle in the postseason now when you have Matthew Stafford. I think he's got four or five really good years left, and that's kind of where the prime of this team is. So I don't know what's going to cost. I don't know if Detroit will do it, but I sure as heck make the phone call. Yeah, that feels like the right move for them too, right? Detroit's not ready to make a run. Go get what you can get. No, you're not a player away in Detroit. Like you are, you're five and eleven team. You got a long way to go. Um, you can make the case it's time to just take one where you're picking up there in the top ten. Restart the clock. You always say it: new, new general manager, new head coach, usually leads to a new quarterback. New head coach in Detroit is Dan Campbell. Uh, that was interesting. Knee, taking out kneecaps. Yeah, that was interesting. By the way, don't really want to eat a kneecap. I think I'm good on that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, no. it was sort of a, a metaphor that got a little bit mixed with some other things, but ultimately it resulted in a, um, far a fewer kneecaps biting. on his opponents. Of, yeah, a lot of biting. You know, as parents, Linz, that's a no-no, you know? No, yes. Uh, also, Nick Sirian, Sirianni? Is yeah, that how you say he's his a name? good coach. Yeah, that's a good what, hire. I like that. Okay, I'm kind of unfamiliar with him. He's not a name that I that I know very well. What... Tell me more about him. So he was the Chargers offensive coordinator. Um, Philip Rivers loved him. That's one of the reasons, you know, with Frank Reich and Sirianni was kind of the selling point for Philip to go to the Colts. So um, he had been on the Chargers under Mike McCoy and then reunited with Frank Reich when he got the job there in Indy. And he's just every, everybody with the Chargers raved about him. I wasn't around him there at that time, uh, but great reputation there. And then just talking to Philip over the years, like he, he, he really, really likes him. So he's got, he's got, he's got a big job. It's, the number one job for Philadelphia Eagles is trying to fix Carson Wentz. Um, so he, he must have. Uh, why does everyone make it about Wentz? Why, why, it is, why about is Hertz Wentz. not obviously the guy there? He's not obviously the guy because they've seen Carson Wentz play at a level that Jalen hasn't played at. So um, that that's what it is. And you're financially, you know, you can say sunken costs and I get that. And what's the difference? Just move on. But no, I, I think that Jalen Hurts is viewed as somebody that's a capable starter that could be a capable starter. Carson Wentz, if right, which he has not been anything close to right, but if Carson Wentz is right, he's a top five, he's a top five quarterback in the league. It's hard to it's hard to remember that when you go off what you saw last year because it didn't look anything like that. And, and I thought it was the right move to go to Jalen. But I, I think at this point in time, they've they've taken a step back and they've said, okay, where we think Carson can be if he's right versus where Jalen can be. I don't think they're done with Carson Wentz, Lindsay. I really don't. DJ, will you come back a little bit closer to the draft? Unload some uh, stuff? Yeah, I mean, was just, yeah, because the baseball season, I'll see, I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, the Padres won't have won the World Series yet, so I'm good. Once they win the World Series, I'm going to take a little time off, but I should be good before That's the draft. cute. That's cute, yeah. Daniel. You know, congratulations like on a 60-win uh, World Series, by the way. That's awesome. You know, it's something you're going to really celebrate for a long time. We'll go ahead and take it this year, though. Appreciate you. You're the worst. Go Dodgers. They're the, they're the worst. <laughs> DJ, this has been fun. I'm yeah, excited thanks. to talk to you about all the draft prospects and stuff. So we'll uh, we'll do that once the regular well the once the Super Bowl is over. Thanks okay. for checking well, in. Good news, bad news. Good news is I had a lot of fun hanging out today. The bad news is we're not going to take Blake Snell out after the fifth inning. I hate to break that to you. <laughs> Bye, DJ. I had to get that in. Bye. See ya. All right, so that's Daniel Jeremiah and Summer Sanders, hardcore Bills fan, and we'll see if she is happy at the end of the weekend. Join us back here again on Tuesday for a full recap and a look ahead to the Super Bowl. Bye, everybody.